Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today we're meeting a guest who shares her story of her path to becoming a professional collage artist. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. Now, today's interview has me smiling ear to ear. It's one of those times that I got to meet somebody who had difficulty imagining that she could even make a living doing what she loved. Can you relate to that? It brings me so much joy to hear stories like this, and I can't wait for you to hear her story too. But just quick, before we get going, I want to invite you to have a breakthrough. Now, I know when you're stuck in a midlife funk, feeling confused and unclear about what's next, it can be really hard to even imagine what might be on the other side of your breakthrough to getting unstuck and clear about what you want. So I want to offer an easy way to start moving in that direction. You can give yourself the jumpstart you need in the form of a breakthrough coaching call. It's a two-hour private coaching call that's basically a deep dive into what's getting in the way of your clarity. We can coach on anything you need to make a breakthrough because, my friend, I have a feeling you're tired of wasting valuable time. So head over to my website at www.susierosenstein.com and click the Coaching and Workshops tab and you'll see the booking link there. I have a few spots open now, and one of them can be yours. Okay, so as a midlife possibility coach, it's pretty common for me to coach on helping you see and eventually embrace what's actually possible. It's so easy to focus on what you can't do rather than on what you can do. My guest today had trouble imagining what was possible for her when it came to creating a career as a professional collage artist. Today, you're going to meet Catherine Rains. Until age 33, Catherine often said that she didn't have an artistic bone in her body. She discovered her life calling in the middle of an overwhelming day job where she first created a collage just to relieve stress. This simple beginning eventually led to quitting her day gig to manage a thriving art business. Then her journey took an unexpected turn when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. This led Catherine back to a day job for the next 10 years, traveling across the United States creating almost no art at all. Then on January 1st, 2015, she decided to integrate the day job she loved with the art that she couldn't live without by setting up an art studio in every hotel she visited and followed a structured schedule to fit art back into her life. As a result of this self-commitment on January 1st, 2018, she returned to her greatest passion, which was art, and now is once again creating and teaching sacred art full-time. I can't wait for you to hear Catherine's story, so please enjoy. Hi, Kat. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Well, I am so honored to be part of your incredible podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Well, you are a mixed-media artist, and le- a mixed-media collage artist, and let me tell you how giddy I got when I opened your email because you're doing stuff that I love to do. And it was just so much fun to see your uh, your work in my email. So I'm very excited to talk to you about all of this. So as you know, um, 
I like to focus on people's journeys and how we figured out what it is that we're really passionate about. And, and usually for so many of us, we didn't start out doing this to make a living. So I would love to hear what was going on for you in the last 20, 30 years and what you were doing that was different and how you figured out you wanted to go in this direction. So take it away. Wow. That's a big question there. Oh yeah. So, you know, I set my life up very early on to do something completely different than what I'm doing now, as I think a lot of people do. Um, I thought I was going to be a career development director in a major college. And I was doing that in my thirties. Um, I had made a couple job hops and I was doing really well. I was being rewarded for basically helping students figure out what they wanted to do, but I was managing a large career center. And my intention was to keep moving up the ranks, meaning you go to bigger and bigger universities. And it's a lifetime job. You know, it's a government job. Basically, you're paid for life. You got insurance. You're good. I got I got every and I did everything right to get to this place. And I was miserable. I hated it. But no one knew. It was like it was a secret thing among my in my own circle. But professionally, people just saw competence because I was doing the job. I was being rewarded for you know doing good work. So here I am, a career development director, basically a career counselor who hates her job, which is really <laughs> kind of like a strange little combination there. And I was thinking, well, maybe I'll get a bigger job. You know, that will solve everything, right? And I'm thinking, well, that's stupid. Why would you get a bigger job doing the same thing? You're going to, now you're going to hate a bigger job the same way you hate this one. So I started doing career development on myself. And this was in my mid thirties. And a classic thing we did with students was you write a list of everything you love to do as a child, but weren't told to do it. So I said, okay, I can do that. So I wrote this long list. I had everything from Barbie dolls, kick the can, make forts, teach my sister how to read. All these things were fun. And in the middle of the list was the word collage. Now I have a picture of myself in my uh, studio of myself as a 10 year old holding a collage, only collage I can ever remember making. And I saved this picture. So I was like, wow, I mean, that must have, I mean, I really thought I, it was something. It wasn't, you know, I was a 10 year old, but I said, you know, I'm desperate. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And all of the career tests said I should be a career development director or a counselor or a coach, but I don't like it. And by, by the way, it's not like I don't, I do like being a counselor. What I didn't like was managing counselors. Mm. I didn't want to be a manager of other people, but I didn't really know that that was the, the hiccup at the time. So I saw this word collage. And just so you know, Susie, in my family of origin, I was considered the unartistic one. So I can't draw, I can't paint. My parents were artistic, but I was crafty. And real. I grew up in a lot of crisis. So there wasn't really time or encouragement for me to do anything artistic. And I really thought I had no skill. So I would knit and I would crochet and paint by number, but never anything without directions. So... One Sunday, you know, I said, okay, you got to do something here. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I pulled out all of the catalogs and the magazines in the house. I tore them all up and I made my first collage in 20 years and just joy poured out of my cells. It was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Now, by the way, I made a very rudimentary, very juvenile looking thing, but it gave me so much pleasure. That I said, okay. What was it, Kat? What what was it? Uh, did you notice it because it was so drastic? Like the the pleasure was off the chart. So were you able to figure out what it was? Was it the cutting, the tearing, the placing? Well, 
it was, I'm a very spiritual person. So, so even though I was picking out like random pieces and sticking them together in this collage, my brain was saying, wow, this is painting a picture of something. This is giving me a message of something. So in my mind, there was a a message being given to me. That's, that was part of it. And I just love the idea of putting images together without having to paint or draw. So it was incredibly satisfying creative wise, although that's not, I really didn't understand it at the moment. I just knew all I cared about was this is fun. And so I started doing it all the time, like every day. And I, every day I would spend, you know, a couple hours doing these collages and they weren't good. Now at the time I thought they were phenomenal because they were painting my, my story. You know, every collage basically was like a Warshock's test. Is that how you say that? You know, of where I was in the moment. Um, and, you know, they got a little bit better over time, but they were very juvenile. And I knew they were juvenile because I, at some point in my journey, I framed them and I put them all over my university job in my walls. And my students would come in and my colleagues would come in my office and they would go, oh, you've got kids. I don't have children. <laughs> but for some bizarre reason, this didn't bother me because to me, this was my soul on the wall. You know, mm-hmm. I was sharing my soul with you. So I was having a, I was, I loved it. And, but secretly in my brain, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if I could do this for a living? But, you know, the other part of me says, don't even think about it. That <laughs> is so unrealistic. So I continued on my way. And eventually I, I moved from a university job to a corporate job. And almost as soon as I moved to this new job, by the way, the job was exponentially better. I didn't manage anyone. I, uh, I was a trainer, a corporate trainer using the Myers Briggs. Does personality tool. So I loved the work, but the art thing was still in my brain. Like, Oh, I want to do that, man. But I didn't know how you can make a living doing that. Right. So I, I took my very first art class almost as soon as I went into corporate life. It helped that I made a little more money so I could take a, a class. And I took it from a magazine collage artist, someone who was doing exactly what I wanted to do. And they were making money in Santa Fe, New Mexico and galleries. So I took this five-day workshop, and in five days, I went from pretty juvenile to not bad. And so for the next four years, I traveled the country for my corporate job while I was doing these new collages and interviewing every artist I could get my hands on. You know, I would go to gallery openings. I would, you know, I would just bump into people who were doing what I thought I wanted to do, and I would just interview them. Like, how'd you do this? You know, I want to do this. Are you making money? <laughs> How do you make money doing this? Because I'm not going to be starving. That's not my game. So that's how it started. That's how I found it. But it took a lot longer <laughs> to actually get to the point where I am now. I am a full-time artist and I do make a living doing this, but it wasn't a A to, you know, A to B. It was more like A to Z, you know, before I actually found the way to do it. So it's interesting you interviewing these artists. Did you do anything with the interviews or this was all for you? This was your. It was all for me. Like I would go to a gallery yeah. opening and I would, you know, I would track down the artists and go, Oh, how'd you do this? Or I would go to an, like a, you know, a fine art festival where artists are selling usually at fine art festivals. They're, you know, selling in front of you. And I would say, are you making a living? <laughs> you know, so I'd be just like really doing um, interviews to try to figure out the pieces. Like how do people, cause somebody's making money doing this, you know, not everybody's starving here. So I want to be a thriving artist. So that's what I was doing. I was trying to figure out the puzzle. 
And were you just interviewing collage artists or were you also interviewing oh, no. anybody, uh, anybody? Well, I was saying, that's not true. I probably was focused on what I would call a mixed media artist and mixed media to me. I mean, collage is what I say I am, you know, collage is what I do, but mixed media is part of it. So mixed media is anything in addition to paint. So mixed media could be paper, could be paint. It could be sculpture. You know, when you bring in more than just one media at the same time, that's generally mixed media. But my version of mixed media is lots of paper, usually painted on. So I paint my own papers and then turn them into collages. I also use magazine pieces, old books. So it's a variety of different things that I pull all together. Did you love paper as a kid? Well, I was actually an early scrapbooker. So I I guess the answer to that would be yes. But I scrapbooked before it was cool. You know, like now they have all these fancy ones. Mine was very rudimentary, but I was taught as a a young child to kind of chronicle my life. So I've always done some kind of, I don't do scrapbooking now, but that actually is kind of the origin of it. Yeah. And that, that makes sense too, because when you said those juvenile collages were telling a story, sharing your soul, right? So I'm just looking for the pattern or theme, right? And so the other thing that I couldn't, we have a lot in common. Like we don't know each other yet, but we have a lot in common. So I was, I was crazy about papers. I did calligraphy when I was 12. Really? And that's what started me off. And uh, I just became fascinated with ink and pen and, and papers. Like I yeah. always imagined if I could have a paper store, this is way before internet, right? So I imagined a bricks and mortar where paper, paper would come. I could touch the paper. This is before <laughs> scrapbooking, like all. <laughs> And I just was always so fascinated with paper. So I feel like I've been meant to be a collage artist, but I just haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) Hey, there's still time. I think you have a quiz or a course for me, too. I just have a feeling. I think so. (laughs) Okay, so you said for sure. So you said there's lots of paper with collage and it's usually painted on. So when did you start to shift your thinking that you could actually make a living from this. So was it the quality of your art or was it more the path forward was clear? How did that happen? Such a good question, Susie. It was a combination of both. So after I took this one simple class, my quality jumped considerably. In fact, I had someone offer to buy my art almost immediately, but you know, one piece does not make a living, you know, so I knew I couldn't just quit my job. And at the same time, I was talking to a lot of people and I was kind of get, kind of getting a sense of how do people really make money doing this? So the two were kind of going together. And in the meantime, I'm still practicing. You know, I'm doing this collage all the time, basically as a hobby because no one's paying me for it and I'm just enjoying it. Um, but at the end of the four years, the end of the four years marks my 40th year. So I'm 40 years old and I, I just said to myself, when are you going to do this? You know, to me, 40 was like ancient, right? So I was like, when are you, when are you going to be an artist? Are you going to wait till you're 60? For God's sakes, do it. And I, you know, I, I was married at the time who someone who had health insurance and they could support me, you know, so I wasn't, I didn't have to jump without some kind of, you know, backup, a backup plan. So 40, I quit my job and I, I loved my job, but I said, you know, this is the time I got to go. I got to try it. And I spent the first year from 40 to 41 uh, just experimenting and trying to figure out, like getting, getting my voice, like what is it that I want to sell? And then the second year I started selling. I started going to fine art festivals. I had a few one woman shows. 
I sold wholesale retail and I did that for four years and it was the best time of my life and also the worst time of my life. Uh, the best time of my life because I got to do it. I got to do the work. So I was doing work that was meaningful. It was powerful. It was very spiritual. It was just like my beginning work. You know, they all told stories. They all had very spiritual titles. But it was the worst time of my life because I didn't realize how stressful it would be to make a living as an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, every moment of every day, I was trying to figure out how am I going to sell more? You know, I work seven days a week, 12 hour days. It was production work. You know, I was doing a lot of original art, but I was also reproducing my art into magnets and journals, cards, you know, getting um, getting inventory into stores, a lot of rep- repeti- repetition. And that was the hard part. And so what I kind of realized at the end of four years is that maybe I wasn't ready to do this. Hmm. And life actually kind of helped me out with this. You know, I was kind of like not, I was kind of doubting, you know, what I was doing, even though I wanted to be an artist, there was never any doubt about that. I just didn't realize how hard this was going to be. And life gave me breast cancer. And I was, I was 44. And, you know, on the surface of that, it sounds like it's horrible. And it was traumatic at the moment, but it actually redirected me. It was like, okay, now what are you going to do? So, at the end of breast cancer, some just my life started shifting. You know, I realized, you know, I probably need to get my 401 together. And at the same time, my husband decided he wanted out. And now I'm suddenly by myself. And I went, wow, this is a good time not to be a full-time artist because I need health insurance, right? So I went back to my former corporate job with the Myers-Briggs company. And it was it was just divine timing. So I went back on the road with them. So that my job was traveling as a corporate trainer and I traveled pretty much every single week. And, but my intention was never to stay. My mm-hmm. intention was just to get myself stable, you know, put a lot of money in the bank. I'd health insurance, you know, and I'd figure it out. Somehow I was going to get in a gallery. I'm traveling all around the country. I'll find a gallery. I'll figure something out. You know, it's- as you're speaking, I can't stop thinking about your physical space. So where are you putting all your paper? How are you organizing yourself? And when you're traveling, you can't take your stuff with you. Oh, I, yes, you can. Oh, okay. So you figured out how to travel with it. So tell me a little bit about the mechanics of having this passion and traveling and managing your space. Great, great question. So the thing was, is that for the first, I went back to work intending not to stay there. You know, I'm thinking three years tops. That's what I told everyone. Three years and I'm gone. I'm out. I'm right back. Somehow I was going to make, I was going to save money and go back to full-time art. Well, three years turned into 10 years. Hmm. And when you're traveling like that, I almost did no art. So for 10 years, I basically was artless. And I can't I did, even imagine that. Like that must have been so hard. It, it was very painful. But, you know, I would do it in the on the weekends, you know, as a hobby every now and then I'd pull it out. But I wasn't doing it like I did before. I wasn't making a living. I was barely selling anything. So at the 10-year mark, which is 2015, I said, hell, you got to do something. You have got to change your life. But I wasn't ready to give up this corporate job because, you know, the golden handcuffs is real. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I was making great money. I had an insurance policy and I liked the work. It wasn't yeah. like this was a bad job, but I wasn't doing my life's passion. So 2015, like January 1, I sat myself down. I said, okay, somehow you've got to integrate 
this art into your life. So this is what happened. I made this outrageous plan that every moment I had free, like no television, no reading books. Those are all moments you can do art, right? So here's the schedule I came up with. Every day you get up at 5 a.m. If I'm home, because I was home like one third of the time, when I'm home, I had to be at my studio, which I'm sitting in it. I had to be at my studio desk by 6.30 a.m. I would do art for three hours. That would get me till 9.30. At 9.30, I would start my day gig. And then I would work like till 6.30, 7.30 at night when I'm home. When I'm on the road, I carried two 50-pound suitcases. One was a complete art studio in a suitcase. So I had like 20 pounds of paint, canvases, drop cloths, anything I would need to make collage on the road. And so I would work all day. And then my goal was at 7 p.m., I would be fed in my hotel room with my studio set up and I would work from, I would, you know, collage from like seven to like 11 or 12 every okay. night. Okay. Okay. Hang on a second here. Okay. I I had a feeling something interesting was I can, I know when there's something good that needs to be asked. Okay. And I just couldn't imagine you traveling for 10 years without art. So I knew you had to figure it out at some point. So you're in a hotel room. You're not renting studio space when you're traveling. You're in a hotel room. And I would imagine you figured out the the hotel with the best room layouts for your studio. To be honest, it didn't matter. Oh, it didn't matter. Okay. And you had drop cloths everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you're going to town because collage is not something you do just in a tiny little space. I know there's phases and there's the paint and the paper prep and all that stuff. So how did this happen? How long were you in a hotel? I did that for three years. So from 2015 to 2018, I held that sch- seven days a week. I held that schedule. Wow. And, you know, so when I'm home, I'm always anticipating the next trip. So it wasn't like I'm packing my entire studio. I'm packing what I'm working on. So I know what paints to pack. Okay. I know what I'm making like four or five collages at a time. I pack those, you know, so there's some efficiencies going on here. Like I have, I know how to file papers, you know, like collage papers so that they are manageable in a suitcase. Do you know how to make paint not explode on a plane? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't really explode on a plane. Oh, good. Oh my gosh. Cause I'm just thinking that's a lot of stuff in your suitcase. You know, it's funny because since I've done, you know, since I, I don't do this anymore, that was 2018 as I stopped, but um, I've since found out that paint can explode, <gasps> um, but it did, never did for me. I mean, now I've figured out, I've found out that you should actually put uh, masking tape around uh-huh. all your stuff and put them in baggies. I didn't do any of that stuff. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you didn't do that because we've had incidents with toothpaste and with shampoo. Really? And- yes. Oh, I've never had that. Yes. Yeah, so we, we use the duct tape and the Ziploc, sometimes a double Ziploc. Yeah. Well, I was just lucky. The universe was working with me. I think so. So you oh, had, where, wait a minute. If you had two bags of art supplies, what about your clothes? Well, it's two fifty pound bags. One fifty pound bag is just art supplies. Okay. <laughs> Other one, I also had a training job. So I had to have an LCD projector. I had all kinds, I mean, 50 pounds of just supplies and my suits. So Wow. Okay. That's fascinating. And three years. And I produced a lot of art. And I, I sold smart in that time too. But, but here's the thing, Susie, the whole time, by the way, the whole, this was, this was 12 years. It was a solid 12 years of being on the road, not intending to do this. 
But the whole time, pretty much daily, I am saying to whatever there is out there, higher power, universe, whatever you call that, I go, okay, make it obvious. When I'm, when I should really go, let me know, cause you know what I want. I want to be a full time artist. But I knew from my last experience, my first experience, I really think I jumped too soon, which is, I mean, I, I guess nothing is too soon. It was the right time. I needed to experience it. But I had a lot more wisdom the second time around. I knew that I needed a better foundation. And so pretty much the whole 12 years, I said, God, tell me when to go and don't whisper it. I want you to make it freaking obvious and make it gentle too. I would prefer not to have a major disease. You know, I don't want something horrible to happen to me. Right. Make it obvious, you know, that I need to make a shift. And the universe made it obvious. So uh, 2018, I came up with this. All of a sudden, I woke up with this idea. Ask your boss if you go part-time, like be a contractor. Now, by the way, I'd already asked them before, and they always said no to me. But I just had this feeling they were going to say yes. So my, my boss happened to have been a friend at the time. And I said, I mean, she's still a friend, but she was a friend. And I said, what do you think? And she goes, I love that idea. We'll save a lot of money and we'll just use you for what we absolutely have to. We'll, we'll cut out all the fluff. So I might go my, what they decided to do with me was they would let me work one week a month. So five days a month. And I did that for quite a long time. And I, I still do that now, by the way. But I Amazing. I were, I do it less, but that amount of time, one week a month pays my bills. I don't save any money anymore. But when I was in my corporate job, I saved everything. I mean, every penny I can, I drive a four, a 15 year old car because I'm not spending anything I don't need to because I'm going back to art. So I had a nest egg in 2018, you know, so that I could afford, um, the luxury of not having a corporate job, basically. Yeah. I, it's so planned, you know, and this is, this is really a beautiful thing. In midlife, we're wiser. At that point in your career, you were a high earner. And so that you could save more quickly and you, you basically seeded and padded your way because exactly. you were smart now because you tried it the other way and it wasn't fun. Exactly. I, yeah, that was the struggling artist. You know, you might be doing what you like, but financially it's painful. Yeah. So. Wow. I love this. And the whole suitcase thing. Wow. <laughs> and plus you look kind of little. <laughs> Must have been a lot to carry around those suitcases. It was actually, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm remarried. I have a darling husband and we have a joke that uh, I live on a two floor house and, you know, he's my butler. So <laughs> a porter. he's my porter because I mean, these suitcases are heavy. I actually can't get them down the stairs. So. Yeah. Wow. I asked my kid to carry the vacuum cleaner for me uh, (laughs) just yesterday because I had to go from one little building to another little building. And it was like I could do it, but I had a feeling it was going to re-injure my back. So I'm like, "Uh, I've got 20 year old kids. They're in their 20s. They can do this for me. (laughs) Exactly. That's that's how I feel about the suitcases, too. Yeah. Actually dangerous. I have, you know, all kinds of bone issues as well. So I got to be careful. Wow. Okay, so now you're on your way. You've secured the perfect part-time job and you have wisdom and you're talented. So how did you take the next steps? Because the other thing that kind of changed is the online world happened in that phase too. Yeah. Yes, the best question, Susie. 
So I quit 2018. And what I did is I gave myself the gift of a year. You know, I had enough savings. I'm not, I'm not rich, but I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm seeding things still by working one week a month. So I'm, I don't go into my savings. So I gave myself the gift of a year to explore art basically, because I hadn't really done it. I've been, you know, my whole, since I was in my thirties, I said, collage, collage is it. I can't draw or paint it has to be collage. Right. Well, now I'm in my, I'm 57 and I'm thinking maybe you can draw, maybe you can paint. You just haven't had the time. So I just started signing up for art classes like a crazy person. I did portraits and drawing and landscape and flowers and watercolor. Anything that piqued my interest, I'm taking it, man. And I was having a blast. This went on for a year. And at the end of the year, I stumbled on this woman who combined collage and painting. And I had been doing a little bit of that combination, but not not that well. I took her class and it just dawned on me, I am not a painter. I'm a collage artist. It's what I've always wanted. Yes. And from that moment forward, that was about three or four years ago, I realized go for what you've always dreamed of doing. So that's what I've been doing ever since. However, so it took about three years, like until, so what year are we on? So about 2020. So at 2020 really is when it started gelling all together. And let me tell you how it happened. So I knew it was collage and I was developing kind of a voice in collage and I developed, I put together this beautiful collection, what I thought was beautiful. I thought it was my best work. I launched it very well on Instagram, not Instagram. Well, I did Instagram, but I did my website and I knew how to do it. I had taken a course on how to launch online and it didn't sell. And I was devastated. Mm-hmm. Like, here's my best work. It didn't sell, but it was the best thing that could have possibly happened because then I said, okay, if that, if my best work doesn't sell, then you can do anything you want because you're not going to make a living this way. So what would you like to do? So 2020 summer, I went to the beach with my husband. I brought limited art supplies. And I said, what I really would love to do is just tear up paper, put it back together in any random, any, anything I want, knowing it's not going to sell. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get a sketchbook out and just make these wild collages. I made one a day, every day at the beach. And every one of them gave me the feeling of when I was 30s. You know, when I first did it, it was like, oh, oh my God, I must have this. And I made seven, seven of them in seven days. They were little, you know, little tiny collages. But on Instagram, I posted them every day. On Instagram, people started asking to buy them. Uh-huh. And I went, oh, that's the trick. The trick is basically, and by the way, I didn't just make collages. I was do, I was basically emptying my mind. So I said, okay, I'm going to be empty and I'm just going to put down whatever it feels good to put down as opposed to trying to make art to sell. And that's what I was doing before. Mm-hmm. And even though I still love what I made, there was something different and energetically about this art that I was making that was just coming from my heart. And cause I didn't think I was going to sell it. It was just for me. And from that moment on, such so in the last three years, I've actually sold a lot of art. And now um, people started asking to learn what I do so I started uh, teaching art a year ago, and that's actually producing a full living as opposed to eking out almost no living, you know, other than I had a part-time job. Well, plus, I would imagine your students want your art. Yes. Yes, they want my art, too. But I'm also teaching them how to do my art. You know, the kind of art that I'm doing 
it's I'm selling small. So you, you don't sell for a lot. So right. you'd have to be a, a freaking factory to, to make a living making small and selling it that way. So I'm totally okay with teaching people how to do my art. I'm still making my art in the process and I am selling it, but I'm not relying on selling my art. Right. I see what you're saying, but you don't need to, it's another way that people are going to discover your art. Like, you know, I love nature photography. I, I have some of my stuff framed and blown up for sure. And I also purchase nature photography from other photographers because I love it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's true for me too. I buy from other collage artists. I, I just love it. I like having it. It inspires me. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. So uh, you're teaching, but you know, not too long ago, we didn't have the option of teaching online and now everything changed and now teaching online. So how did that all go for you? Because you hadn't been dreaming about teaching online for as long as you've been dreaming about being a collage artist. No, I really didn't envision teaching at all. That was not part of the game. Um, but when I started, I had like two years ago, I had like, I launched four collections. I did a beautiful holiday shop all online, sold out of everything I had. And my entire, my net gross, how much money I made was like 13,000. I went, Oh my God, I worked like a dog. I'm producing gorgeous art. You know, people are buying it. It's selling out. But unless I go really big and start selling in galleries, which is a whole different animal. And not even lucrative for most people. Um, it just kind of like came on to me. Like, why don't you just, if you can't make a good living selling your art, why don't you teach you how to do it? Because people are asking me. And here's, I've always been a teacher. You know, when I, I teach Myers-Briggs, that is the way I've been making money. I like to teach. I'm actually, I'm actually good at this. So when I just applied what I already know to teaching art, it was like a natural. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. I, one of the things that. that comes out in my work with with women in the middle is this idea that you're always on the right path. So it felt like you were on the wrong path by leaving corporate. You ended right. up going back for a lot of good reasons, but you still thought it was separate. It hadn't occurred to you that it's part of your journey. It's part of your path. And it was always part of your path. It's so good. I love when that happens. And that's yeah. one of the most common messages on this podcast. I remember listening to a couple of your, you know, the lot most recent ones. And I heard you say that and I was like, I got to be on this podcast. That is why I, I contacted you because I always feel that way. In fact, everything I've gone through that looked bad, breast cancer, divorce, you know, you name it. I always think it's the right thing. Like there's not a mistake here because wow. they all led me to where I needed to be. So they're, I'm totally in there. You know, I think the whole path was set up from the beginning, including discovering collage, you know, on a fluke. Which You're rediscovering it because you liked something about it when you were a young kid. That's right. Right. Uh, that, and that's what I think is the main, you know, for other, you know, other people, you know, that I meet that don't like, they say, what's my purpose? Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? I would say, you know what? One, wherever you are is where you're supposed to be. And I think there are hints right where you are of the next step. And it doesn't have to be this monumental thing. You know, maybe it's you go need to go take a nap. You know, it's to me, it's like learning how to follow what does give you joy. Like if you can't follow the simple things like I need to I need to take a bath or I need to take a walk, like learning to follow the simple things leads you step by step to following your heart in a real way. Right. Except when you don't trust your journey, 
then you're not looking in the obvious places for the clues. Yeah. Or listening, you know, listening to when you, cause you're getting them. I think they're right in front of us. Yeah. They're everywhere. There are lots of clues, but yeah. So good. And, and like you said, it's never too late to follow your dream. So now uh, you've been doing it. How, how long have you had your business and how old are you again? I'm 63. You're 63 and you've had your business. Is this the fourth year you said? Uh, my fifth year. Fifth year. Yeah. And I started right. making, actually making money doing my business two years ago, although I've been doing it forever. I mean, this has been my right. life for 30 years, but. Right. And you're, uh, you're, you're so full of energy. You're clearly delighted with where you're at and what you're doing. And I've watched some of your videos and your work. Like you're clearly in your zone of genius. You're glowing and you get to do something that's so fun. Your studio's beautiful. Like it's all so good. <laughs> I feel incredibly blessed. But you know, here's the thing. I didn't know it was going to turn out this way. That's right. You know, when I quit my job, I didn't have a following or I didn't have a voice. I didn't, my art was all over the place. I was doing watercolors and portraits and flowers. And I literally was just going for whatever felt good. Mm -hmm. And one little baby step at a time, it led me to where I started really, you know, where I was meant to serve. And I think for me, um, not only, I mean, creating art, I really believe teaching art is where I'm meant to serve. Mm Mm-hmm. It sounds like it. I can do greater good than just making the art. Although I love making the art, but now I make art to teach others. people. Well, the midlife ladies, we do enjoy creativity and learning how to do stuff that we didn't think we could do and leaning into it. And what I love about collage and the way that you teach it is that it's so accessible. Like you really do break it down. Uh, You don't need to be an artist. I teach... um, I'm a certified Zentangle teacher, like the, the structured patterns. And I incorporate that into the work that we do. And again, the reason I like it is, well, it's portable. (laughs) It's very portable. But the other thing is that it's so accessible. You don't need to be an artist to make beautiful um, work like that. And you break it down too. And it's that's exactly how I feel about collage that, you know, because I, my mantra when I was a younger person is I don't have an artistic bone in my body. I yeah. believe it. But when I think about collage, who can't tear up paper? Like, and, you know, and, and the whole, you know, the junk journaling thing is, is just collage. You know, it's just like throwing, pasting down paper. It does make it really accessible to really anybody. Yeah. And like my intention with teaching this is to make it accessible, but also to actually show people they actually can make really good art right in the beginning. I love that. If you just follow a few really simple guidelines and I'm talking anybody, I mean, I've I've taught thousands of students now just two years and every art, everything I see that comes out is like, Oh my God. I mean, I think I made it. Oh, that's so good. So how can people theirs, not mine, you know, it's very, it's distinct for them. I love that. I love it so much. So how can people best find you? Where are the places? Well, my website is the easy place, com, And on the website, I'm, there's probably going to be a link somewhere else too, mm-hmm. but there's a, a class called Collage Kickstart. That's a free five-day class that in five days takes you through the whole process of not only making your own collage papers, with supplies you already most likely have. You don't need to go get stuff. You have this in your house other than the paint part. 
to actually making finished collages the fifth day. And people are shocked that they can do this um, and come up with really gorgeous uh, work at the end of the five days. So that the sign up is on my website and it's a, you know, a simple link to get there. And it's on once you get the class, it's lifetime access. So you can do it over and over again. Oh my gosh, that is so good. Yes, all the links will be in the show notes. And you said that that class is always available, which is great. Right. Amazing. So, uh, so good. And is there anything, your best tip for somebody right now who's listening and thinking, ugh, I know she's saying this is easy and I can do it, but I don't know. What would you tell them? Well, two things. One, as trite as this may sound, I believe that it's never too late to follow some inner thing inside of you that says, I've always wanted to be a, or I've always been fascinated with this and whatever that is. And you may, and people may think, Oh, you know, I've always loved books. Okay. That's good. Start there. You know, whatever it is you're fascinated with or that you want to do when people aren't around, you know, what is that thing that you wish you had more time to do? To me, that's where you start. You know, it's, I think we make it really hard by making it lofty. Like, I got to find the thing. What's I my- agree. Um, when I think it's as simple as, uh, let me give you a good, good, good example. I'm in love with paint by numbers, which sounds crazy, but I love paint by numbers. And I'm not going to make a living off paint by numbers, although I know people that do. And I'm thinking that that's an entry point for me, even though I don't want to do this for a living. I don't think we have to make money doing what we love. You know, I, this is just one of many things I love to do when I'm, when I'm just like, I need, I want to do something. So I do. Oh yeah. It's so good. I also have a free worksheet is specifically about uh, looking for clues in your life to help you identify what you've always loved. It's called passion project 50. And I'll also include that worksheet link in the show notes. It's exactly what you said. It's just, you don't need to have all the answers. Just allow yourself the happiness and joy of doing that thing or continuing to be curious about that thing or watching the thing. If it's a show or a museum or a documentary or a book, but just doing that thing and not having to have all the answers. Um, A lot of people won't even try art or try collage because they think it'll look stupid or they will suck. They're not used to being a beginner and they don't know what to buy. It is overwhelming to purchase materials and supplies. You don't even know what the difference is between water-based and oil-based and this glue and that glue. And it can be very overwhelming, but I'm sure you've got supply lists and you break it down step by step. So it's easy to take that first step. And that's what I recommend. Take the next best step and don't worry about everything else. Right. And you don't, I mean, collage is one of a zillion options. You know, it just happened to have been the thing that fascinated me, but it could be paint by numbers. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is and we don't need to make money doing it. That's right. But but surprisingly, you know, if you, you know, some of us, if we just keep pursuing things that just fascinate us, like who would think you can make money as doing collage? I mean, really, that seems pretty far-fetched. But people are, I am, you know, so it's funny. I watched Shark Tank not too long ago and these two women who I think they both were divorced and they were, were kind of desperate. They didn't know what to do with their lives, but they always loved art and they loved paint by numbers. It's <laughs> just by coincidence. And so they started painting pictures 
and they made them into paint by numbers. And now they're the leading paint by number company in the world or something, something like that. That's amazing. But, but I still don't think you need to make money doing anything. I mean, you do need to sustain and, you know, and have enough money for your lifestyle. But, you know, finding what we're supposed to be doing in our life may have something to do with money. It may not. Yeah. And the other thing is there, there's this topic of regret. So a lot of uh, women our age are concerned about having regrets. And Mm -hmm. if you look at what typically becomes a regret, it's not allowing ourselves to be happy. And so where does happiness come from? Right? Well, it's a lot of times, you know, what makes you happy, you know, what you need to think to feel happy. And when you don't allow yourself to move in that direction, to lean that way, you're preventing yourself from being happy. And a lot of people were told that they don't have skills. You're not the only one who was told from that you're going to make a living. Like it's common advice that we got from parents who wanted to make sure that we could sustain ourselves. <laughs> right. And I'm grateful, you know, that yeah. I took that path. Would I have liked to have started this when I was in my thirties? Yeah. Yeah. But that was my yeah. path. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm clear why it didn't happen that way. I learned a whole slew of things that were perfect. They got me here. So I don't have a regret, even though, you know, I can say it would have been nice to start in my thirties, but you know what? 63 is the perfect time to be doing this. A hundred percent. And it's a perfect time to take a class with you. So please, if you're interested, check out those show notes or go to katherinerains.com. That's Catherine with a C or collageworkshops.com. And you'll find a, uh, a link there. For you to get this free class. So good. Catherine, thank you so much for reaching out. It's been a delight to meet you and to see what you're up to and to just really appreciate your path. What kind of courage it took to see, think about you schlepping around those suitcases to the hotels and doing that for three years. I'm very impressed with your commitment to yourself. So good. Thank you, Susie. It was a complete delight talking to you. I think we should go and have some coffee now. Could we? I, I would love that. Okay, that's it for this episode. My goodness, what a story. I love how Catherine's art journey really started with her questioning her own narrative about her personal relationship with art. Can you imagine how much happiness she would have denied herself if she wasn't curious about what she had always been interested in and drawn to? Think about it. Think about it. It would be such a void in her life. It turns out that it's a common regret to not allow yourself to be happy. Once Catherine committed to this part of her life, she went all in and it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy schlepping that art studio suitcase around while she was working, but she did it anyway. She pivoted along the way until she created the life she wanted. And as you heard, teaching collage wasn't part of the original plan. But when you're curious and mindful, you notice things about what you want more and more. Then you have a decision to make. Start to believe in what's possible or not. Put yourself first or not. Lean into what you're passionate about, even when there's no certainty or not. The choice is yours. And my amazing woman in the middle, there are so many awesome choices and experiences just waiting for you. As you know, this podcast is all about how to love your life again after 50. It's really all about coaching you to be more intentional and to incorporate mindfulness into your life as a regular practice. This is how you put yourself first, my friend. This is how you put yourself on your agenda. 
My focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and focused on your current values and priorities so you don't have regrets. I can help you create the success you're looking for. That's why I created the Women in the Middle Academy with you in mind, because it's a warm, supportive, and fun coaching community of like-minded women who grow forward together so that you feel great about your roadmap to a more fun, meaningful, and regret-free next chapter. Email me your questions and let's talk about it and see if it's for you. Go ahead and book your free, no-obligation momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. Want to have a book club experience, but with this podcast instead? Join the Women in the Middle Podcast Club by heading over to susierosenstein.com and clicking on the Podcast Club button. And finally, for show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the Podcast tab and look for Episode 330. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week. 